Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maudie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are gonna live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal and we're gonna get after it starting right now. All right, so this is part of the show that I get to give a shout out to you. My sincere thank you for rating and reviewing the show, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews seriously mean the world to me. This comment comes from SHC Smith. We're going to call her Smith. She says, I listened to the third episode while I was working out and loved it. It is on real life situations and financial info to help you get on track if you're off. Loved both Maudie and Emmy. You are right, Smith. Emmy does rock, and I accept your compliment as well, so thank you. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Please leave a review, and I would love to give you a shout-out on a future episode. Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast, Monique Fontaine. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's an okay. honor. It, yay! Okay, so let's just back up, and I just want to tell everybody how we met. I think okay. it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, I was in New York for uh, Nordstrom Grand Opening, something or other, and I needed my makeup done. And <laughs> went down to Sephora, or actually, I think I called, and they set me up with an appointment, and you, first of all, made me feel fabulous and I also looked fabulous as well like a byproduct of how I felt and but but more than that it was the conversation that you and I had and just sitting there for an hour with you and your vulnerability and your authenticity was beautiful and I love women who can just show up and be themselves I really really crave surrounding myself with women just like you So we became friends on the Instagram and I've been building up the courage, confidence and space capacity to invite you onto the podcast to to share your story with the listeners. Okay. (laughs) So why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself? Um, Tell us, tell us all about you. Okay. Hi guys. So I am Monique Fontaine. Um, I am 35 years old. I am a black trans woman. Um, I currently live in New York City. Um, I have since 2008. I'm from the state of Maine. I'm from sort of a sort of small town, Yarmouth, Maine. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Nope. Um, it is, I would like to describe Maine as uh, Caucasians, Lafayette, Lesbians, and trees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a visual. Um, 
you know, I, so for those who don't know what I look like, I'm guessing that the photo will be uh, shown. Um, I am a light-skinned black woman, but um, I have light-skinned features, some people would have said. Um, And so I pass sometimes, depending on where I'm at, as white or black, even though I'm Dominican, black, and Asian. Um, But my mother is white. So, you know, um, we look sort of different, but, you know, we still look related. Um, But, so yeah, so I've been living in New York since 2008. Um, I moved to New York to further my transition as a trans woman um, medically. And I've been doing that ever since. Um, I've been, I've been to makeup my entire life. Um, makeup kind of changed my life at a young age. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I really had a passion for, you know, art and makeup and photography. And, um, I guess that's kind of why I'm a makeup artist to this day, you know? Um, and I have just been living in New York, you know, completing my journey and kind of just living life with the way I wanted. And yeah, I guess that's a lot about me. <laughs> So I definitely wrote this down. I didn't realize, and and I'm so glad that you said something. Your mom was part of the story that you talked to me about when you were doing your makeup. Your mom, you brought her up often, and I didn't, I didn't know your mom was white. And to me, yeah. that, that actually amplifies the story. So yes. tell us, tell us about your mom, and tell us about her impacting your world and your life and your transition. So my mom's name is Lisa. Um, she adopted me. Um, so that is why she is white. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, growing up, and I think we've talked about this before, growing up, you know, I was always very flamboyant back in the day. And I knew I was a girl and I knew I was like a woman, but, you know, to the outside world, they didn't know what it was. Being trans wasn't big back in the day like it is nowadays you know kids are transitioning at a young age but back in the day you know people only knew about gay or straight or you know you were good that was it like yeah. either gay or straight and there was no in between um you know you saw things on tv like maury jerry and it just made a mockery of trans women and the whole gag was like oh can you tell us a man so you know back in the day it wasn't really known well known so you know, my mom kind of tuned into that and she accepted it a hundred percent. I feel like at first my family being very religious and very Catholic, I think it was not hard for them. Wow. It was more, it was easier for my mom um, than it was for my grandmother at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have my whole family support. Like my, my grandfather was totally supportive. My aunt, you know, my uncle, you know, I have a great family support. Um, but on to my mom, you know, my mom kind of saw me grow up over yep. the years and kind of transition in front of her eyes. Maybe not with breasts automatically, but like, you know, my female my female persona coming to life as through me and how I could present it. And, you know, I, I know we talked about this, that I'm very fortunate because my mom is an incredible, incredible woman um, for many reasons. Um, number one being my mother and number two being a, just a phenomenal person and a human and a good human being in, in, at that, you know, it's, 
I am very lucky um, and blessed with the life that I was given and the life that she made for me, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't quote unquote the normal kid um, or person, you know, she accepted me for Monique and it, I feel like it took her a while, but it, it, it clicked. Yeah. Um, and now she's one of my biggest supporters, you know, um, even with um, this past surgery I just had, my FFS, I had my face reconstructed. Um, you know, she was there every step of the way. She wasn't able to come because of COVID. Um, my mom was there every step of the way. And, you know, she really had the patience and uh, guidance. And she just, she looked out for me. Yeah. You know, it, she, uh, she's been my rock through this entire journey that I would call my woman into my womanhood you know and it was it's crazy to think about this now and like they always say this in movies and stuff but like when you become an older woman or not when you grow in how can I say this it's like mother and daughter right and when you're younger you hate your mother you know she's a been your assistant so the older you get the more you kind of realize how she was and why she was and how your connection grows. Right. So you can almost appreciate her. So, well, I can say I can appreciate my mom so much more even in retrospect. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I also think for my mom, it was really challenging because, you know, like I said, back in the day, having a trans child or even a gay child was one thing, but, you know, overly feminine gay child was like, you had to, there was no support groups. <laughs> and I was going to ask, you know, Especially being from like a small town, you know, I'm sure sure your viewers can kind of assimilate the same thing because if you're in a small, not close-minded town, but town where that isn't exposed, you can be exposed to other places. But if you don't live in the atmosphere or in the capacity where you can get help like that, granted, now it's easier because you can go online, you can Google, there's support groups everywhere. Right. Um, I feel like she really stepped up to bat because she um did the best thing that she could oh I love that I I'm just in awe of your mom and I think you know as a mother watching our babies in pain in in whatever it is in what in whatever it is and 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 I think your pain is probably not probably the pain you experienced as a child was nowhere near what my children go through. And so as a mother looking at Lisa going, you are phenomenal. How did you do it? As a, as her daughter, what tips would you give me? Like looking at me, a mama, I see my children. Um, what did your mama do that, that like, you knew she had your back. She was your rock. She did everything, um, in the best interest of you. What advice would you give me as a mom? You know, as a mom, I would have to say, number one, love unconditionally. And I know that sounds weird, but you have to love your child unconditionally, no matter who they are, because they have a tough time in the world. And the last thing they want and need is someone at home giving them a hard time for who they're trying to be. Home should be a safe haven. And so I feel like as a mom, first and foremost, you should love your child unconditionally, as you would any other child that you may have, no matter what, you know, what, what, what they want to do or who they want to become, you know, love is key. I feel like another thing is 
you know, the one thing my mom did do, and I, you know, I started going to this place called Outright. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Glisten or Outright or the GLAD program. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's the LGBT network. Um, and so you have, I think, GLAD and Glisten, and then you have like subcategories underneath it with different divisions and programs. Okay. So what I did, I was exposed to Outright at a young age. Wow. Um, probably like around... 16 or 17 because in high school they had a gsa in my high school okay straight alliance okay so your mom found you support in 2005 basically when uh yeah well i kind of found it myself and i kind of so being in the gsa i had already had like queer and gay and lgbt friends Mm -hmm. and i kind of started going to these groups and then i started talking to her about it so i was the gateway towards her being more understanding um to everything but then she kind of did her own research because she was like oh well my daughter is going to be this and is a woman Mm -hmm. I better figure out what I have to do to kind of support her wow absolutely is learning curve for her and she found her own support with your as a gateway it is and I also think for mothers too I think that you also have to listen to your child I feel like to be honest with you I so I came out as bisexual when I was 16 and then a couple of years, like I, I already knew that I was trans and I, I knew everything. I knew that I was a woman from jump, but I didn't know how to assimilate it or talk about it with like my mother or like adults. Mm-hmm. I could talk about it with my friends, okay. but when it came to adults, it wasn't a thing back in the day. You know, it was like I said earlier, it wasn't a thing. Being trans wasn't, it was like, on, it was like on TV, right? right? So there wasn't much literature as there is now. Um, and so, you know, I feel like when I told her that I was tra- uh, bi, mm-hmm. she's like, okay, whatever, that's fine. And then I said, she, I was gay. And she was like, I kind of figured that. And then I was like, I'm a woman. She's like, okay. I, I mean, I watched you grow up and I kind of had an instinct mm-hmm. and I was kind of waiting for you to tell me. <laughs> Oh, so, and so listen to your child and not try to talk them into something that they right. know is their truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like love unconditionally. Your yes. children are who they are no no matter what. And, and that may sound easy to do, but in practice, it becomes really hard because we have all these expectations for our kids, right? And, and we have these like ideas of happiness and, and so love unconditionally no matter what and create a safe haven in your house. The home is a safe place is number two. Number three, you said um, find support. And I heard both like help your child find the support that they need, but then also find your own support in a way you can learn and yeah. you can learn and grow. Yes. And I also feel like to elaborate on that too, I feel like now there are some great parent or, uh, parental, I guess, support groups for parents who have trans kids, who have LGBT anything kids, right? Yeah. Um, because I feel like, and my mom and I have talked about this as I'm older now, she needed to come to terms with it and she needed support just like I needed support. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's like, unless you are thrust into that community already, you don't as a parent or as even as an adult, I mean, it's different nowadays, but you didn't have that support and you didn't have one to talk to because right. it wasn't normal, quote yeah. unquote. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not that it wasn't normal, but you know, it wasn't the norm, It wasn't right? known. Yeah. Right, right. It was normal. It's always been normal. It just wasn't known. And I think that my mom and I also have talked about the fact that 
she had to transition with me. Oh, tell me more about that. Um, so I guess from her point of view, right? So, and you're a mother, so it's kind of like either your son or the, you have both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, (laughs) sorry, I didn't remember. (laughs) It's all good. Um, so I feel like with her, you know, she adopted me and we've talked about this. She adopted me as a boy, right? And she, she took me home, raised me, loved me, fed me as a boy. Then all of a sudden I told her that I didn't, I wasn't a boy and I was a full blown woman and I was a little girl, whatever you want to call it. And that I wanted to transition and she point blank told me that she had to mourn the loss of her Mm -hmm. son and also gain and celebrate the birth of her daughter because granted it's all a change in me, but at the same time as a parent, it's just like if one of your children, you know, woke up tomorrow or wanted to transition or wanted to do something that, you know, not what they're doing right now. Right. Right. I feel like as a parent, you have to be able to, and she said this, she said, you, I had to transition with you into get in, into the factor that I had to seamlessly kind of correct myself mm-hmm. and get used to be you being a woman now, mm-hmm. because there is no going back. Right. Because the minute you told me that you were a woman, that other person is gone. Yeah. Wow. And I, she said, I had to mourn the loss of my son. And did she say that right away, Monique? Or did she, was this later uh, on? No, I feel like it was later on. Um, you know, I'm not even going to sugarcoat things. For a while, me and my mom had a, a kind of a, not a rough relationship, but it was very much, you know, and I, I we speak about this now, um, but I didn't understand why my friends could easily call me and transition with names and pronouns mm-hmm. and someone who I've lived with my whole life couldn't. Wow. And she explained to me that it was, it wasn't, she wasn't doing it, you know, on purpose, but it was the fact that she had raised me yeah. and fed me as a different person yeah. with a different name. And so it took her a, a little bit mm-hmm. to correct herself and to grow, kind of like transition, right? It took her right. into a minute to transition into the different person who I was, even though I was still the same person. And I also feel like she spoke about that because, you know, my grandmother slips up every now and then, but not as much anymore. But you know, I feel like she, we talked about that too. It was very that my, your whole family has to transition, not just you as a parent, your whole family has to be able to make that transition. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that because it, it did kind of right our, our conversation kind of came off as like seamless, like, Oh, Monique, uh, uh, came out to your mom, all good, all good, all good along the way. And so I appreciate you saying, actually, it wasn't all good all the way. Like, let's just be real. It was <laughs> hard. <laughs> it was hard and, because, and you know it's not to cut you off but I, I remember basically and I'm sure I'll tell her about this interview so she's gonna listen to it but um I remember the last time we were in New York um she had slipped up with pronouns either either the pronouns or my 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 name right and I I've become defensive because of where I you know it being human I'm human right so I deal with people all day long, especially at work. People are assholes. Let's be very clear, right? People are just ignorant and they can be assholes, which is whatever. Yeah. But I'm used to snapping at people. But I also have to remember who I'm around. And I remember one time my mom stepped up and I snapped at her. Yeah. And 
you know, we had a heart to heart moment and I'm very thankful for that. But I explained to her that I get you're not doing it on purpose and I get it, it may be, not be an issue. But at the end of the day, like if we're in the, and I explained this to her this way, I said, if we're in the wrong place at the wrong time and you do this by accident, it's detrimental for our safety. Yeah. I said, forget about anything else. It's I don't fight. And you don't fight, mother. Right. So, you know. <laughs> right. It's, uh, and I think that kind of clicked with her. And, you know, it's, we've been, I mean, she's never done it again. <laughs> so I want, I'm going to come back to that because I think that that is important for people like me who may not have ever experienced a situation where a slip up could be detrimental to our safety. Okay. I want to come back to that because I do want to touch on allyship and how we can learn like, like, I'm like, learn like Lisa, like learn (laughs) as we go, because we don't know, (laughs) right? Like we're just like nothing. It wasn't back then being trans wasn't a thing. So since it wasn't a thing, wasn't talked about. So straight also wasn't taught how to have these conversations, have the dialogue and the struggles and um the challenges and then how we can be an ally but can you just take us back just to wrap our brains around the curiosity of like when did you know and i i learned i've learned from you that you know the words matter going back to what you said about mom and you posted something that said um you're like don't say this say this Try not to say this, say that. And so I read that and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to totally mess up, which I think is okay as long as we're open to correction, right? Like I don't get to be defensive in this situation. Right. Um, You're assigned gender is what I learned. Take us back to when you realized that your assigned gender wasn't who you were. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like, and I always talk about this with other interviews I've done. I feel like it was when I was really little. I can't really necessarily pinpoint an age. I want to say when I was, when I knew I, it's so hard because like people are always like when I was five, when I was three, I don't really remember because I had so much else going on Okay, and I was just trying to get through life. <laughs> right. Um, But I will say I knew that I was different at like probably the age five or six. Um, but back in the day, like I didn't know how to put it into words because I just knew I was feminine, but I was always told that I was a boy. So, oh, you're just a feminine boy. Mm. And that's what it was because, you know, I didn't know how to put into words that I was actually a woman. So on the outside, being gay was fine for people. So I was labeled as a feminine boy and that was that. But then when I, when I got into, when I started hanging around people that I were like-minded and like, you know, got into high school and like became friends with different people. I finally realized what trans was and who I was. And that was me. Mm-hmm. It, and then it just became the conversation about telling people. Okay. Um, I remember in high school, it was national coming out day. I think it was my sophomore year of high school. See the sophomore or freshman year of high school. I made these little note cards. Oh, <laughs> like, little like a PowerPoint? <laughs> yeah, I was a little nerd. Um, but I made these little flashcards that said, National Coming Out Day, I am XYZ, um, I'm gay, yada, yada, yada. Thanks for sticking with me if you're my friend, yada, yada, yada. It was just dumb shit. 
Um, but you know, people were responsive. And you know, I will say this though: a lot of people say, you know, their schooling was hard. Okay, I was kind of popular. Like I was well known. I was. I worked at the local grocery store. People knew who I was. You know. Okay. I had teachers on my side. People didn't bother me. You know, mm-hmm. I was on the dance team. Um, you know, I had, I was kind of friends with the art geeks, kind of like the movie Mean Girls, right? It's so true. Like I was like the art geeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just, uh, people didn't bother me. And the people who didn't like it, they had to deal with my friends or the, you know, teachers. Yeah. And also I knew that my advisor John Beebe was the one that ran the GSA of my school. So I knew that if I had any issue, I would go straight to him and it would be handled. Now in retrospect, I will say that high school was weird. In the sense of that once I finally realized that I was trans, I, I could only express it so much because it wasn't, people didn't, I was still in my male body form. Yeah. Um, even though I knew I was, I had a female brain and everything and I presented as best I could as female, let's be real. The boys weren't buying it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, back in the day, you know, again, like this is 2000 and like two to 2004, you know, and being a trans woman wasn't a thing and the boys didn't know what to do because it wasn't normal. And they just thought I was a gay boy and they didn't want that. They were like, oh no, you're just a boy. I don't want that. I'm not into men. Um, but I was like, I'm a girl. They're like, you're not though. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel like overall I had it very easy growing up and I don't think I had a rough time until I moved to New York. <laughs> okay. That actually, why does that surprise me? You recently posted a picture of your 17 year old self. Like to all my listeners, we'll put Monique's um, Instagram and all all of the links to everything to hook up with Monique in the show notes. But your picture is so cute of your 17 year old self and then your 35 year old self. And I just, your story became more clear to me visually when I could, you know, you're like, the boys weren't buying it. Like, let's be real. I, it was hard. To, like I was still in this body, but my mind was here. I could, um, it made more sense to put the picture like that. Mm-hmm. Just, that just helped me understand it. Thank you. Like, just thank you for being so vulnerable and real and honest with us. And it's okay. That's, I, what, I'm, that's what I do. <laughs> totally. Thank, not every, actually not totally. Not everybody does that. So no, thank you so much for being Monique. You know, and I, I, I greatly, I, I greatly appreciate this. And I, you know, it, I feel like we, you and I have talked about this too, but I also feel like I know that being openly trans can be detrimental to my health sometimes, but at the same time, I love teaching and educating people. Even though I don't, I don't want to be everyone's teacher because that's not my job. I just want to live my life the best way I can, but. If I can have it, like when I met you, right, we had an open conversation. I had never met you a day in my life before, mm-hmm. but I'm the type of person that is very open about if I feel comfortable with someone, mm-hmm. I can be very too open sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Monique, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, keep going, girl. You keep telling me all the things. <laughs> um, but I feel like, you know, if, if I can tell someone my story and they, it clicks with them. Then if they meet someone else who is like-minded or another trans person or another LGBT person or anyone 
who may be in a difficult situation or anything like that, they may be more compassionate, understanding. Absolutely. And also I feel like with me, you know, I've learned because, and this is another thing that I always thought about when I was younger. Like I keep saying there wasn't much trans in the media. Right. So it was maybe a Jerry Springer show, but there wasn't, it wasn't as talked about as it is now. Right. So for me, and I always tell people this, if I had had what I had, what there is now, I would have had it, I would have transitioned sooner and I would have had an easier time, I think, transitioning. Yeah. I feel um, like you also, it sounds like you had to come out. Like you said, like National came Coming Out Day, you said you were gay. Did you have to come out multiple times? I did. Um, and then I think at the age of 18 is when my friends already knew that I was trans. Okay. But I came out to my mom at 18 when I was trans. Okay. Because her and I had had a couple conversations about things and everything. And it was, and there's nothing against her, but she was a single parent. And I couldn't get the resources that I needed medically mm-hmm. to start my transition. Um, because her and I had talked about it. Like I had been wanting to start hormones since I was 18, 17. When I, when I knew what it was, I wanted to start. Okay. But my family doctor didn't know. I told him I was a woman. He was like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, good oh. <laughs> He's like, he was no help. Right. It was no help. And then like, you know, explaining it to my mother, it was like, well, we don't really have the funds for those things. So those things are expensive. I get it. This is what you want to do. But right. right now, this isn't in our means. Wow. And so I feel like now it's not necessarily easier, but it's more spoken about. And so that's why I have an open conversation about it all the time, because mm-hmm. if I can help someone assist their child or anyone they may know with a transition, make it easier and smoother, then that's what I'm there for. Because I had certain people in my life. Um, one of my good friends, and I'm so friends with her to this day, uh, her name is Danielle. I met her outright. And, um, you know, she was the first trans person I had ever really met. Um, and she kind of, she was like, you're trans and that's cool and let me take you on my wing and that was that you know and, and then I used to perform a lot and so I had this other friend I don't I'm not really close to her anymore as much but her name is Portia um and she was a showgirl I used to be a showgirl back in the day that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got into everything and I also think that so I think another thing a piece to touch on is that I didn't necessarily just have my own family I had my drag family and then I also have a trans family as well you know I feel like as a person who is part of a different community, I feel like community is a must. And I feel like if I hadn't had those other communities that started with outright and then my drag family and then Mm -hmm. my trans family now, I don't think I would be the person I am today. I feel like they knew like my drag mother and my drag father. Mm -hmm. So Paris Holiday and Adam. So Paris was kind of the first one to really show me the ropes of performing, even though I was kind of already performing. But, um, you know, she, she was my drag mother. She kind of taught me how to paint. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, I don't know. And I, I think that I had to, over time, explain to my mother that I had multiple mothers and she was like, I guess mm-hmm. so. Okay. But now she's cool with it. You know, it's crazy. They've actually no, none of my mothers have ever met. <laughs> 
Oh, it's not. I think that's such a great thing to a very important piece to point out is community and the fact that you community really helped you become who you are. And then it sounds like almost saved you as well. You knew who you were, but it took the community to help you uncover, unpack, see, take you under the wing, under your wing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay, so tell us about then transition. You came to New York and you said it was harder in New York than it was in small town Maine. So it was so weird because being like a feminine person in Maine, people thought I was a girl anyway. Some people did. Some people did. Mm-hmm. Some people just said, I don't buy it. Um, but then when I moved to New York, I was able to medically transition. It was a slow process, um, but I realized that my full-blown fantasy of being a woman was coming true. Even though it was true in Maine, but it was just more of a reality. Um, I was getting estrogen shots. I was taking testosterone blockers to kind of balance my levels, my hormone levels, to kind of make my outer body look more into my womanhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was doing things here and there to modify my body. Um, and to be honest... I had never lived on my own before. Okay. Um, so I grew up with my mom. And even when I went to art school and cosmetology school, I lived at home. So I didn't ever really ex- experience the dorm lifestyle. So when I moved to New York, I was my first time being on my own. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Culture shock. like A little bit. I mean, I wasn't naive because I had already, you know, partied in me. But mm-hmm. it was just the fact that... I was able to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, at 22. Yeah. Like, it hit me candy store. And I got to, and I was transitioning and I got everything I wanted. I was, I was excited. I was elated. You know, it was, I didn't have anyone to tell me no. Okay. <laughs> and can you, can you take us through a little bit of, cause I know you just, you've shown so many of your pictures of your most recent facial reconstruction and just, I just love your community that you've built and the support that I see um, through your community. Um, how hard was the physical transition for you? Um, so the physical was, it was hard and it was easy and hard at the same time, right? Yeah, so. so it was easy because I knew that the more things I did, the better I got and the further I got myself into my transition, right? So with that, it was easy. But I mean, going through, it was just like, it's just like any woman going through puberty. That's what I had to do. I was just 22 and not 14 or 13 or however old you are when you go through puberty. You know, I did everything a woman does. I just didn't have a period. That was about it. I was moody. I was cranky. I was, I had to inject myself every two weeks with estrogen. I still have to inject myself every two weeks with estrogen, although I'm lazy right now, but that's besides the point. But, um, you know, I feel like I was literally just growing into my womanhood, just normal aches and pains. And, you know, mm-hmm. the first time I got surgery, um, I guess I wasn't unfamiliar with getting surgery because I heard of getting, getting surgery before. Um, just not, not, not anything per, you know, my gender transformation or anything like that. But 
just random surgery that I would have to get. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm used to getting surgery. So, I but I feel like every surgery that I have gotten so far up to this point now is, it's a blessing, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it, the pain and I was talking. And so I guess after I'm done talking, I'll go through a list of what I've gotten done. So the readers can kind of know. Okay. Um, But I mean, you know, it's going to sound weird, but being cut open for a good reason and a better transformation is worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you said, it's just part of it's your surgery. Like I chose to do this and it wasn't medically necessary. I mean, technically it was medically necessary for me to be better in my womanhood, but generally speaking, it's cosmetic. Like everything I got technically is cosmetic, right? Um, but it's made me feel confident into the person who I am today. Wow. And you said it's taken a long time from, you know, 18, having a conversation with mom and then doctor saying no to when you first started treatment. Mm-hmm. Has it taken the whole 15 years? Yes. Okay. I think that's, a, I think yes. that's such a uh, important piece for, to point out that it wasn't, yes. that you knew your assigned gender was wrong at five. Mm-hmm. And based on the world you were born into, it's taken you to 35 and beyond to fully embody the, that mm-hmm. her. I also, you said something that dawned on me that I didn't even, didn't even, it did not even occur to me is the financial investment and that the finances, yeah. not even investment. That the financial piece could literally hold someone it does. back from being who they are. Mm-hmm. It did for me for a long time. And to be honest with you also, all of my surgeries that I've gotten have been covered by insur- by my insurance company. Um, so that is part of the piece where it is mm-hmm. medically necessary, yeah. deemed by the insurance, okay. because it's medically necessary, because it's easier with life, right? And so when I tell people this, Oh, I got it done my insurance. Oh, how do I get that done? Well, yeah. live the life that I've lived mm-hmm. and then maybe your insurance will say, okay. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but finances is a huge piece because, you know, like, especially being, I mean, any trans person, trans woman or trans male has to go through a transition, but I feel like I can only speak for myself. I feel like the trans women have to go through more cosmetic procedures to look mm-hmm. and path I guess quote unquote or whatever passing is to look like a woman um you know it's not just the hormones I mean you know I I feel like it's any woman though you know if I feel like it's a a cisgender woman or a trans woman I feel like every woman is always in a constant metamorphosis and uh, evolution right Mm -hmm. from when you're little to when you know you uh, get married when you have kids, you know, and for a trans person, when you're little, when you transition and when you get your surgeries and when you get married or whatever the case may be, I feel like every person is evo- it's, it's evolution, right? Yeah. So I, I just happen to have to, have to get surgery to continue my evolution and that's right. okay because people get surgery all the time. I just, you awesome. know, I'm just thankful that I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. I think that's such an important piece. It, I th- I just think that's amazing. Um, okay. Take, and I, 
I first, and then I want to say thank you for being my teacher today, because by being my teacher today, and I know that's not your job. So I appreciate you taking the time. It's okay. Because by this conversation, I will be able to have more conversations and whoever is listening right now will be able to as well. So if you could tell us ways that we can be an ally, you are an activist in both what you put on your bio, right? It says like you're an activist, but then you actually do the work and you're actually talking about it. And you're talking a lot about trans black trans lives matter. Um, I believe tomorrow is a big day in the. Uh, yes, it is. It's the um, transgender day of visibility or transgender visibility day. It's I have to, I think it's trans day of visibility. Okay. Oh my God, I should know this. (laughs) It means the same thing if we say it wrong. So how can we, how can we help promote visibility? How can we be an ally? How can we be better? Um, I think, you know, I guess you are starting out with you, I guess, you know, just putting it more towards the forefront. I mean, not like, I don't know, like, I think it's hard for people to kind of assimilate with stuff they don't understand, right? So if you make it more of a normalized thing, Mm -hmm. then people will kind of be like, oh, okay, that's cool. Let me look into it. So for you, I guess, like, I guess go on Google and find a photo of tomorrow or the day and then put it on your story, Yeah, you know, and just kind of be an advocate. You know, you clearly we're friends, so you mm-hmm. have trans friends and I'm sure you have LGBT friends in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just try to be a support system. I think that I can't necessarily tell people how to be a support system. I think it has to come from within and what they're comfortable with doing. You know, some people wear pins, some people post stuff on their social media, some people talk about it word of mouth, some people do podcasts like this. This is you know, you're being a huge ally by having me on the show and making it normalized. So I thank you for that. Thank you. And I just, you know, I I think you said, you started by saying like, we tend to like kind of step back from or steer clear of things that we're not comfortable with or that we don't know about or is just um, not in our day-to-day, in our everyday day-to-day. And it's so easy to just be complacent and and not learn and not ask the questions and not reach out. And you know that I was extremely nervous to have you on the podcast because of a number of my (laughs) insecurities, right? And so I think number one, like you said, is realizing, yeah, yeah, don't steer away from what you don't know. Because by, by steering away, we're not normalizing and we're not just having the conversation. Tell me, what is some of your biggest supporters? You, you said Danielle and mom and what, it, what are, if you can think of a couple different, maybe one or two examples of their, how they supported you, how they, I also wanna, oh, go ahead. Sorry, but I will answer your question. I also yeah. say my best friend, Michael Martin, right? So Michael and I have been best friends since I was 18. Um, I remember exactly. Sorry, I know it's a tangent. I'm sorry. But um, I. So I had just won by default um, the Southern Maine Gay Pride Princess because they I wasn't old enough to win the queen position because it would be 21 or older. <laughs> so I kept bugging them. She's like, fine, be princess, right? And so 
they gave me the dumpster stash and the little crown. And so, uh, for some reason, it had rained that day. So, Pride was in the main uh, Civic Center, which is like, it's kind of like the garden for New York. Okay. Or I don't know where you guys have, where you guys have like entertainment shows, but it's like the Civic Center is that thing. Okay. So, he was walking around asking people to sign stuff for, I wanted us to sign something, but I had said, I'll do it later. Long story short, I never went back and found him. I walked away. Like, I was too good for it. A couple weeks rolled by, and I signed up for this photography class. And I walk in, and Michael Martin is sitting right at the chair. And we're like, oh, what happened to you signing that? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So we've literally been best friends forever. And, like, he was also one of my biggest support systems because he just loved me unconditionally. He was my brother, you know, and... Everyone thought we were together, and I was like, absolutely fucking not. Um, <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. Um, you know, and, you know, uh, he and I are still close to this day. Um, but I will say, so to answer your question, um, I want to say the biggest time that my mom has ever been the biggest support system is when I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. Was many, there's been many, many, many of times where she's been a huge support system. Um, but when I moved to New York, you know, she, I quit my job. I packed my things. I had an apartment in New York. We packed her car and we drove. <laughs> wow. It was me, my best friend, and it was me, Michael, and my mom. And we drove to New York with all my stuff in the car. And she mm. let me be free. And, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying when I asked for like mom advice is just listen to your kid. Like she listened to you. I'm sure she didn't want you to go. Like, she was terrified. Please. Her baby in New York City, like and since starting her transition, absolutely not. Like wow. And I think that was and I think that, you know, and my mom and I have talked about this too, is that I think that was another reason why she was so apprehensive at first was because she was scared. As like you said, as a mother, you don't want your child to go through anything horrible. And she knew, especially back in the day, being different or trans or whatever the case may be, it was difficult. And she so she knew that being a black trans person was going to make my life a hundred times difficult. And she was worried that I would die. Ugh. To be a hundred percent honest, not right. to be not to be too real, but you know, at the end of the day, like when you when you know your kid is different, you worry about them ten times more. Yeah. Um. So she supported you by letting you go. Yes. Okay. Um, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Continue. So what we're, I wanted to like, let's talk about last lot on the last little thing and then we'll kind of wrap up. Um, but you said we're talking about pronouns and I think pronouns have become new. It's like a new thing, right? Like you're on zoom and you see like, um, she, her, or, and I think a lot of people are like, what? I don't understand. What is this whole pronoun thing? And you said, my mom had a slip up that could have cost us our safety. So talk a little bit about, uh, about how important it is for us to actually try to understand. Okay. So I feel, and this may be sounding like a jackass, but I don't understand how people are so confused when it comes to pronouns because and I can only speak for myself, right? So, and I feel like, and this is one of the reasons why I clicked with you so well when I met you, because you didn't, you fully grasped it. I said, Monique, you said she, you didn't, and you, you were, you were intelligent about the situation. It wasn't rocket science to you. Mm-hmm. 
whatever you may have thought or you may have knew, you kept it to yourself and we had an open conversation and you were willing and you were kind, right? I just don't understand how some people can look at me or look at another trans person who looks obviously female, especially if I give you my name, Monique, there should be no reason or rhyme or reason why you say he or why you say him or why you say otherwise. Like if I'm telling you that I am this, I don't understand why people, it's so difficult for people to grasp. Um, With that being said, I don't think pronouns are difficult at all. I feel like people are just ignorant and be honest with you and frank they're assholes (laughs) and you know absolutely i don't think it's ignorance at all i just think people are assholes because i don't and i also don't think pronouns are new i just think that it is more towards the forefront now because people are finally coming out and talking about it thank you so much for saying that because it's new to me this pronoun thing it's not new. You're right. So these are the these are the these are the flub ups that I wanted to have in real life, so that when someone is wanting to be an advocate, be an ally, um, have a conversation, we can just like stop being so scared and respecting. <laughs> if I tell you, uh, yeah, that it, it it does come back to being an asshole. <laughs> Day is done. Oh, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're still living in that world. Hey, I mean, it's cool. I mean, you know, now it's funny. Like, it happened to me. I want to say like a week after I got back to work, after getting my face done. And it happened to me a couple weeks after I was was in a restaurant. And I could have sworn the waitress said he, and I like flipped out. (laughs) It might have been the painkillers or the pain that I was in, but I like lost it. But at work, you know, it, and in my normal life, like it's weird. Like it doesn't really happen as much anymore, but mm-hmm. it still happens. But I just look at people like they're dumb and just stop talking. Like, mm-hmm. are you done? Like, is that all you need? Okay, great. Oh. But also yeah. like, I think, okay, yeah, it's whatever. You're dumb. You're not so fine. But when it, 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 your safety's on the line. Cause you've mentioned I think that. Is on the line. And so when it comes to that, I feel like. It is a must that you try to be cognizant of what you're doing and how you're presenting and how you're acknowledging people. Because, you know, and we've all unfortunately seen videos of trans women or trans people or even gay people getting beat, but mostly trans people because it's more of a pronoun thing at times. But, you know, it's like, I feel like when one person starts, no one stops it and everyone else jumps in. Um, so it's just like that, like walking down the block, but like, and I know I can say this wholeheartedly, even I do it now. If I see a group of boys on a block, I will switch the side, I will switch the opposite side of the street and walk past them on the opposite side of the street because I don't want any issues. I also feel like, you know, in general, I feel like you just have to be cognizant of what you're doing because people's safeties are, are on the line. But I feel like that's with anyone, not even with, with you know, trans people. But I feel like it is more common when it comes to trans people. But I mean, it's just. I think it's I important to realize my, for me, like you only speak for you. I'm saying for me. Realize my privilege and realize that my words do have consequences, mm-hmm. even 
when I say something like, what's the big deal with this, right? My words have real life consequences. And I think that is the hard part for me to grasp is like the, the fact that other people like aren't trying to be aware of the consequences of even just words, even just because words are huge. Okay. I, I told you, I promised you I was going to ask you this question because I knew that I was going to forget something. I knew I was going to like not ask a question that was super important to be asked. Okay. So what, what do I, what's, what, am, what is missing from this interview? What did I forget to ask? Um, what is missing from the interview? I don't know. I don't think anything. I think that you touched base with a lot of great points and I feel like I was able to speak about candidly and openly. And I think, and I don't know if this is me being crazy, but I feel like a lot of people are so drawn and fixated on surgeries and what surgeries trans people get. Um, And so it's part of my, not routine, that sounds horrible, but part of my, I just, I'm open, I'm open about surgeries, right? So yeah. If your listeners are curious, I can give a list. Okay. Or if they're not, I don't think they'll you. Well, you would know. <laughs> you would know because people ask you the question. I asked you the question. And so <laughs> if, if enough people ask the same question, you can see that there's a pattern and there's a curiosity. And if mm-hmm. you could just like, you know what, and you're willing to be open with that, I appreciate that because like, let's take the stigma off of like, let's remove that curiosity right off the bat so you can right. like, learn the real stuff. Right. Because I also think that, so another thing with surgery, right? So I feel like it's really, and I'm open about it, but I feel like a lot of people are not. And I feel like it's one of the most common questions about that trans people get is if you have the surgery or what surgery did you get? And at the end of the day, it's nobody's business. Let's be very clear with that. Absolutely. Right. But, um, because I feel like that's why everyone that's people are most nosy about. I'm just like, why does it matter? (laughs) I think, so, okay, thank you for saying that. And, and I, I'm, okay, here's me being defensive right now. Like, let's just say what it is. I prefaced the question on, hey, you showed a lot of pictures. Can we talk about what you put out there already? Right? Right. No, no, I wasn't saying towards you in general. I'm just saying it. Totally. No, I'm not offended, but I think it's important because if someone's listening in myself, like a reminder that Monique talks about this stuff. So why I asked Monique was because she puts it online. She puts it on the Instagram. She puts it on her. Now you run into Mary tomorrow. Mary might not be as open and and available to talk about her surgeries than Monique. And so I appreciate your point to that is just be aware of who you're talking to. Is that, is that, did I get that? No, you totally got it. It's okay. like some people are open about talking about why they changed their hair color. It's just, exactly. it's common. It's, it's some people are more open about talking about certain things than other people, you know? It's, okay. Plus, I always like to tell people you wouldn't go up to a random stranger and ask them a, in per, a personal, a really highly personal question about them without knowing them. It's rude. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, but the list of surgeries. So from head to toe. I just had my FFS. So I just had a facial feminization surgery mm-hmm. in October. That's called FFS for short. Um, so pretty much what they do with that is they kind of shave down your bone and kind of reconstruct your face with bone um, for a softer appearance. Mm-hmm. So for the viewers, I had my brow bone shaven down. I had a brow lift. I had a rhinoplasty, which is a nose job. And I also had my chin shaven down. So it's a little bit softer and it's less boxy. Mm-hmm. 
I also had my breasts augmented. Uh, so I had breast implants. And then the one thing a lot of people don't talk about, and I'm very open about it, is that I was castrated. Mm. So I personally do not want gender reassignment surgery. Uh Um, But I mean, that's everyone, that's personal choice. But uh, yeah, so I had my testicles removed for medical reasons because Mm -hmm. it is now easier on my body to not have to take so many so take much so much medication and just inject myself to estrogen right. instead of all these other medications that I was taking okay but that's my whole list had to tell oh um, my god you know it's I'm ex- I'm expensive bitch yeah you are I I I love that we started the conversation about you making me feel beautiful like because I think that you talk I, I don't even know I maybe I'm making this up but like Beauty is a value to yours, maybe. And mm-hmm. what I can say, see from you is that you really believe that it comes from the inside out. And like you're basically amplifying the beauty from within with your yes. makeup and and with how you um, help people, your clients um, shine, basically. And so... I just think it's really awesome. Like you, you're, you're transitioning, you talk about stories. It just goes back to your, from the inside out, becoming the most beautiful Monique. And I, I really appreciate that. Cause you know, I feel like it's so weird being, not it's not weird being trans. It's, and I've talked about this lately because I literally have seen and lived my evolution from point A to point B where I'm at now. And I, have seen it and then when I I post photos for that reason too mm-hmm. and I guess it's kind of why I got into modeling too was to be able to see my transition in the forefront and like with photos and everything like that and now I'm finally complete with my transition I could I want to get a little bit more work done but that's besides the point um but I can fully say that I am 85% content yes <laughs> 85% I love it um but you know it's it's so weird to, to be able to look in the mirror now and to be completely happy with who I see in the mirror. Yeah. Because at first it was internally happy, but now yeah. it's physically happy. Right. It matches. It matches. Oh, I love that. This podcast is all about talking to women um, about taking their life from default, right? Where you're just kind of like going with the flow and uh, dealing with the hand that you've been dealt versus, and then moving into one that's lived on design and you are such an embodiment of what living on purpose in my mind Thank really, you. really means. So I, I emailed you. I'm not sure if you saw that. Yes, I did. Like, what does living on purpose yes, mean to you? Yes. What does it mean? And to I thought me? about that earlier. Um, yeah. So living on purpose to me means, Truly embodying yourself and your soul on the outside, which kind of sounds crazy, but you see your, you know, everyone has a different soul, right? And everyone says, be true to who you are, be true to yourself. And I feel like now people see the radiant that the radiant woman that I've become on the outside and not just on the inside. So that is what living on purpose means to me is being happy with yourself and just being empowering yourself to get up and to do better every day of your life and to being thankful. 
you know, and I don't want to get religious, but you know, it's, uh, it's a part of me and I don't really talk about religion much because people don't talk about it much that much, but mm-hmm. I have to say that I am so blessed and thankful that I have the family and I have God on my side and you know, I feel like a lot of LGBT people, we don't talk about that because growing up, you know, I was told that technically being gay or being different was a sin, you know? So I have prayed a lot mm. and I have everything I've ever wanted. And so I'm blessed and thankful. Um, but and yeah. I see that in, in how you show up in person or Zoom, whatever you want to say. Oh, no, take it back. In person, in real life, on Zoom. and and on social media, you show up grateful, you show up um, blessed. And I think that that openness is what draws people to you. And so I just appreciate, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. I'm just so thankful. God, the universe, whatever you want, brought us together on yes, that. Exactly. On Everything that. happens for a reason. Exactly. Totally. For a reason. Absolutely. So Monique, thank you so much for being on Love on Purpose. You're welcome. This thank was you a treat for me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time, always keep living on purpose.